Hey, it's Subha from the Sparking Entrepreneur Show. At today we have Leo Bartry. He is the founder and managing partner of Peer Innovation. What peer advisory groups can teach us about building high-performing teams? He is also a keynote speaker, podcaster, workshop facilitator, advisory board member, and opinion columnist for CEO One Magazine and adjunct professor for Rutgers University. With that being said, let's welcome to our today's guest, Leo Bartry. Leo, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me today. It's great to see you. Okay, so Leo, let's start from your journey that what inspired you to become a coach like how did you get started in this profession you know it's in, i would trace it back really to graduate school so now i graduated college in 1983 i didn't go back to graduate school till 2006 so when i was in college in 1983 graduated then you know it was very much a you know you sit back there was a, a lot of you know just taking notes and tests and shielding your paper from other students in the classroom and this kind of stuff it was a very individual type of endeavor. When being in graduate school at Seton Hall University, I was part of a learning team. So now as a cohort, we worked together and the program was set up entirely so that we would learn most from one another, some from the obviously the materials we provided, but then second from the professor, you know, third from the professors, hey, if you pick up something must break. But it was an extraordinary experience. It's something I, I joke about sometimes to say the collaborative learning would have been called cheating back when I was in college, right? But together here we were doing it and it was an incredibly rich experience. And basically from that, you know, I graduated basically in 2008 I've actually been teaching between Seton Hall and Rutgers for about 15 years as an adjunct professor but between 2010 and late 2016 I joined Vistage and Vistage assembles and facilitates peer advisory groups for CEOs and business leaders you know all over the world and it was from between starting in graduate school and seeing what peer to peer learning is all about and then becoming part of Vistage for six and a half years that began me on my journey to really take a deep dive into understanding how how we help one another in this world whether it's in formal peer groups which I spend a lot of my time on for CEOs and business leaders or just with life in general so that's really what inspired me to do what I'm doing now and I've never had more fun though so it's been great and how it is going it, it's going really well i think you know especially coming out of covid right now i think people really understand how much we need one another and while on one hand we lived in a in kind of a politically divisive society right we are looking toward our workplace for opportunities to collaborate and cooperate with others and work together on something that has purpose and meaning in our lives and by taking what peer advisory groups that I've studied from all over the world what they do so brilliantly how to take those concepts and bring them into organizations so they can take some of those practices adopt them on their own and they can see the power of all of that so yeah it's 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 really exciting and i think people now recognize how incredibly valuable that can be for them yeah okay so like since you have got a lot of experience in coaching industry as well as in entrepreneurship according to you like what are the most important qualities for a successful coach to coaches you've got to really be present and you've got to be a good listener and ask really good questions think it really comes down to that i think when whether it's coaching teams or individuals or whatever that looks like in many cases the answer lies within the person you're speaking to 
You don't have to give them advice. You don't have to tell them what to do. You don't have to shut them to death, right? If you ask them enough questions and you get to the heart of what they want for themselves and talk about what those opportunities are, they will pick what resonates best for them and proceed with a course of action. And I think when we can allow people that space to come to their own conclusion about what you know is right for them and they own that solution and they feel invested in its success versus something that someone else told you what to do that may not feel natural for you, may not feel right for you. You know, I think that's an essential ingredient and is to allow that process to happen. Yeah, like listening thoroughly and understanding them is the most important, like no matter what kind of teaching, coaching that you are providing. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, Lina, how do you approach uh, working with clients like who are, are really struggling to achieve their goals? Yeah. One of the things that I really help them do is acknowledge how far they've come versus how far they still have to go. And I think this is really important. Oftentimes, we get this advice about keeping our eye on the prize and all that. But, you know, many of our goals are, are not easy. You know, they're difficult and they can take a long time. Yeah. And during that journey, it typically will have its ups and downs, right? So, oftentimes, it can be so helpful to get someone not to constantly be fixating on the end goal, but to recognize that, hey, three months ago you were here and now you're here. Look how much progress you made. Let's celebrate that. Let's recognize that. And I think once we get people to celebrate those small wins and do so all along the way, it's more likely that those bigger wins will come and they'll come more often. Like, you know what? Like, when you just walk with them and you make them accountable, right? And once they see the result that comes from after helping from your side, then they will have that kind of belief in themselves that they think that you know, each and every day they are just telling themselves a false story. So in that way, they can overcome and they, they can easily grow their life. Yeah, I don't feel like I hold people accountable. I feel like I try to help people accept personal responsibility for bringing their best to the table and for them to commit to what they've expressed they want for themselves. That's what matters. You know, we communicate. I can, um, you know, I provide whatever support they need, whatever that looks like. And sometimes it's support, maybe sometimes it's challenging them a little bit. But by and large, we're walking this journey side by side. It's not me on one side of the table and them on the other, point fingers holding people accountable. It's we're taking this walk together. And I think when we can do that, that becomes, I think, a powerful metaphor for how they see themselves and the fact that they know they're not in this journey alone. And I think that's important as well. That is, that is. Okay, so like, you know, we are dealing with a lot of problems, a lot of challenges in each and every day, right? And as you are a coach, you you are also helping people to overcome that. So how do you stay motivated and continue to as a coach? The biggest thing for me is I remain a student of my work first, always. So I'm always trying to learn, always trying to grow. Anytime I speak to a group, deliver a workshop, engage with individuals, whatever, I'm trying to figure out what can I learn today from that person, from that engagement. Because I think once you approach your work, whatever it is, I don't care how long you've been doing it, how much of an expert you think you may be or whatever, if you don't remain a student first of what you do, you know, you first of all, whatever expertise you think you have is going to go away in a hurry. And secondly, you know, it's just important to to stay current and be on top of new things and new ideas and all of that. So that's that's exciting. And there's always something to learn. 
So it can never get boring, right? Got it, got it, got it. We all have students in the world. Okay, so like, do you do one-on-one -on -one coaching or do you have online program or like, how do you operate? Like, what kind of coaching program that you have? So I don't do a lot of one-to-one -one coaching. Most of what I do, again, is, so I've written three books, as you brought up at the start, and I take what peer advisory groups do the highest performing ones. I, I really look at what is common to those groups and what they do so brilliantly and try to help teams apply those principles so that they have a framework where they can actually create real clarity on one things. You know, so there's an aspect of it that's reflection, right? When we think about who am I, how can I add value to the team? What do I expect of myself and what I expect of others, right? So there's a reflection part of there. With that becomes clarity about all of those kinds of things that I just mentioned. And then beyond that, an aspect of intentionality about now, how do we go about, again, delivering what we all just said and agreed that we want for ourselves? So again, they own that solution and that becomes part of how the team, you know, operates together. And mostly in many Respects. It's even as simple as when you take a cross-functional work team in a company, for example, they don't always know. You think they know what each other does, and they really don't. You can ask the marketing person, hey, what does the finance person do all day? They'll say, I have no idea. They'll tell, he says no to me all the time. You know, he'll say something like that, and it, it becomes kind of a thing. And then what happens? Well, when you don't know each other's jobs, you don't know them, you start doing what every person does. You There are information gaps. So instead of asking, you just fill them in with your own assumptions and they're wrong 90% of the time and you know it just creates all kinds of stuff when I can bring people together and I can really get them to sit down and be very intentional about creating clarity with one another that's kind of what it's all about and that is the key to getting teams really up on the right foot and started to get done what they need to get done so that's a lot of the approach very simply you know in the simplest terms that's kind of how I go about it Great. okay so you like how do you balance holding your clients accountable while also being compassionate and supportive again you know I go back to what we talked about in terms of accountability regarding I try to have them accept personal responsibility for bringing their best and I help them and keep myself and them motivated by walking the path together as opposed to be being on one side of the table and them on the other. And I think when you do that, that keeps everybody, you know, um, you know, inspired to achieve their goals and along the way, as I mentioned, always celebrating those small wins. Okay, so let's move some entrepreneurship things. Like since most of the marketing are shifted online, right? Especially the social media thing. So uh, how do you take the advantage of online marketing? I do a lot of content marketing. I, I really do. I'd say it's the lion's share of what I do. As you mentioned, I'm an external advisory board member and columnist for CEO World Magazine. As of this morning, I posted an article today and it's basically called Change and Being Changed. It's kind of the idea of it, right? It's the 190 article I've written for CEO World. I have infographics. I have posters. I have, I comment on a lot of other people's stuff. I engage with others in terms of, I look at studies that come out. Everything from, you know, the Edelman Trust Barometer to the Graham Lee Harris poll that came out recently talking about the tape state of communication and the fact that last year's study, they showed that, you know, ineffective communication costs companies in the U.S. alone 1.2 trillion annually. Okay. So I start 
connecting the dots of what some of the major challenges are in the world and talking about the relevance to to the work and not in a way that is overtly selling in most cases. I just want to raise awareness of it so that people, you know, understand, you know, that there's a way to address some of these challenges. And and I certainly represent one among many solutions out there, okay? But at least if I give them a sense of, of what I do, the fact that I'm engaged in this work, I'm a student of this work, but yet I also play a thought leadership role, you know, as well. But that's informed by my activities as a student, right? Because I'm constantly, you know, paying attention and learning and trying to grow. And I'm trying to share that information with others. And I think as coaches, consultants, whatever, I think the more generous we can be with that, the better off for us. I think when people are stingy about sharing their content, it makes me feel like, well, there's probably not a lot there, right? They're so busy trying to hold on to maybe the little that they know that it becomes a thing. I feel like the more generous we can be, the more likely that there's a working relationship there somewhere. Yeah, because the more really become the social media on the social media, the more people have the trust on you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have to be real, not just uh, faking the thing that, you know, Okay, so Leo, what are some misconceptions about coaching? Like, how do you address them with your clients? I think some of the misconceptions about coaching is that a coach is there to tell you what to do. And in many respects, I don't think, you know, good coaches are doing that at all. Good coaches, I think, listen, they have an understanding of people's goals. They can certainly provide ideas and options and offer, you know, shared experiences and, and all of that. But it isn't about shooting anybody. I will say in some cases, it's about helping people recognize what's within them. You know, we don't always own, you know, our gifts in many respects. There's a woman who, now I love her work. Her name is Angela Myers, and she has a not-for-profit called Choose to Matter, where she helps people tap into what I think we intuitively understand as kids, where we don't grow up thinking we have limits. We don't. Those are imposed on us over time, but we're told what we can't do, right? So I think this idea that if you can get people to own their gifts, to realize that when they don't show up to a meeting, the meeting may go on, but it's not going to be the same without you there. And you have to recognize that. You have to recognize that there's a special contribution that you make to that. And I think, you know, um, if a coach can help people recognize the power within themselves versus being the person who's going to tell you what to do, you know, I think that is probably the biggest distinction for me. So like you have written three books, right? So what are they? All right. So the first one, um, and it's actually kind of the three and a half, and I'll explain that in a moment. Well, the first one is called The Power of Peers, How the Company You Keep Drives Leadership, Growth, and Success. And it was the original book that I co-authored with the former CEO of Vistage at the time, Leon Shapiro. And it's a study of formal peer advisory groups for business leaders around the world and how and why they're so effective. The idea really was that so people would have an understanding of what peer groups all were all about and make it part of their consideration set in terms of how they learn and grow. Because everybody reads books, go to conferences, watch presentations, they hire consultants, they have a coach, all that kind of stuff. But being part of a peer group is a different experience for a lot of people. They don't always have it top of mind. So this book was designed to try to create a narrative for them so they would understand it better. The second book, What Anyone Can Do, which is basically how surrounding yourself with the right people will drive change, opportunity, and personal growth, looks beyond formal peer groups and basically says, look, if we do a better job and have been listening and engaging the support of the people around us, yeah. our friends, our parents, our teachers, our kids, our mentors, our mentees, then they can help us do those things that 
that anyone can do mm. far more often. Mm. And basically, the title comes from a line in a book written by Joe Henderson back in 1976 called The Long Run Solution, where when he was talking about successful runners and successful people in general, he said, you know, most of these folks, it's not that they could leap tall buildings in a single bound. They don't do superhuman things. They just do those things that anyone could do that most of us don't. So again, surround yourself with the right people. Make public your intentions. Enlist and engage their support. And again, they can help you be successful. The third book, Peer Innovation, is designed really to do two things. It advances the work of the original book called The Power of Peers, right? Where now that I've done about 500 workshops, okay, with largely with groups, but with a number of organizational teams as well, um, and basically looks at how the content has evolved, but also look at some of the prevailing challenges against a five-factor framework that drives conversation for groups and teams. Most recently, in fact, the, the release is May 11th for the book. I co-authored an ebook, and what's great about it is it's only like 66 65 pages. It's a quick read, and it's designed just to explain a concept called the one advantage, which is kind of this confluence of looking at culture, like basically a peer-powered culture of agility, right? So how do you take peers? How do you look at culture? How do you take this idea of being agile and adaptable? and put those things together in a way that provides companies today that one advantage that will always sustain them mm. uh, going forward. So that's kind of the body of work as it stands right now. So, um, and, and it's a lot of fun. Again, um, uh, Jason Richmond and Mike Richardson were my co-authors on that ebook that is available on Amazon. So fun. Like all these apps are available in Amazon. Like if you, if anyone wants to buy it. Yeah, you can certainly go to my website at leobatari.com where you'll learn all about peer innovation and you'll see there's a section called books. And in that there are Amazon links to, you know, the books and anyone who wants to purchase a book would be certainly encouraged and invited to do so. So that's great. Yeah. Okay, so do you have any final message that you want to share with our listener? You know, I think it kind of goes back to what I mentioned about this idea of what anyone can do. I think oftentimes, and I'll tell you that I, there's a webinar I've done on this, and I've asked the question of people, how does asking for help make you feel? And for most people, that answer is not good. It's not positive. It makes them feel small. It makes them feel incompetent. It makes them feel helpless. It makes them feel all of these negative kind of things. And the reality is that asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's an act of resourcefulness. I mean, it truly is. When we are surrounded by people who know things we don't or know more than we do or whatever, we can and should ask for their help and their support. And, and that's a smart thing to do. And it's a good thing to do. And just as we should be feel free to ask for help, we should feel free to give it to others wh when we're asked. So I think if more people, you know, just were, I think, generous with one another in that way and fearless about asking for help, I, I think that would be a, a big step forward for our society, quite frankly. Yes. So I will leave you with that. Yeah, absolutely. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, so Leo, tell us about your Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn, or any social media platforms so that our audience can find you and get in touch with you. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. So you can, easy enough to find Leo Batari, L-E-O-B-O-T-T-A-R-Y. My LinkedIn profile on Twitter, you go to leobatari.com, my website, where there is not only, you know, the books and an information about the value proposition, but there's a section called CEO World Plus, where if you go to that, you'll find all 109 articles I've written for CEO World, along with 
many other articles that have appeared in other places, podcast appearances, things like that. And we'll be posting this podcast uh, right here, you know, on the site as part of that. So I look forward to when that becomes available to do that and make it available on, on my website as well. Awesome. Guys, do make sure you follow Leo as he's a wonderful person with great personality and you can reach out to him according to your coaching name. So that was today's episode of Sparking Entrepreneur Show. Thank you, Leo, for being on the show. And it was an honor to hosting you today. Thank you so much. Thanks again, Leo. So that's it. I am your host, Subrat, signing up and you guys have a wonderful day. Bye guys.